0: Live from the ESPN 690 at and Jar Loving Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. All right, let's settle this once and for all. Right to start off the show. Fresh from the airport. Jags lose 24-21 on a walk-off kick. But you would have gone for it on fourth and inches Austin Lane, right before the half. I'm going to watch the game right here at Extreme Wing Sports Grill. NFL Network just kicked it off, a replay. And when it gets to right before halftime, 14-0, fourth and inches after a LaVisca Chenault catch, you would go for it. You would not kick the field goal. Don't give me that hindsight stuff, Austin Lane. Don't play conservative on me. You would pick, go for it. But with a different play call. Like, How about a quarterback sneak with a 6'6 quarterback?
1: Not even a different play call. Just make the right read. You know, I mean, first of all, I would definitely go for it. Um, You're on the road. You're up by 14. You're going for the dagger. You're going for the throat. You've been running the ball all game. I absolutely go for it. Not mad at that whatsoever. Not necessarily even mad at the play call. Now, if it was me, you know, do I line up under center? Do I try to do a QB sneak? Do I try to get James Robinson between the tackles? Probably. That's probably what I would do. But the play was there. Trevor just has to see it and make the pitch. And then we're not talking about this right now.
0: So, you know, that's one thing. I, we don't get the luxury of seeing it over and over and over um, or rewinding it when you're in the press box. Uh, saw it a couple of times. I was really, I mean, Logan Wilson made a heck of a play at the goal line, too, at impact, um, which you can't take away from him. You really made a good play. But do, if he pitches it to Robinson, does he still have a guy to beat or is it a walk-in?
1: Um, it's, it's essentially a walk-in. I mean, the, the, there could be a guy like, I don't know how fast the guy is. I'm not sure how fast he's going to read it, all that stuff. You know, the, the, there's a lot of uncertainties that you, it's just hard to predict. But if you watch it happen live, I think if he pitches that ball, James Robinson's in no problem.
0: Yeah. You know, you know, it's the crazy part about that play, and, and now we're talking two plays in, really in five days that feel like they cost the Jags the game, right? I mean, definitely changed the momentum in this one. 14 nothing, then goes to 14-7. Now you got a one-score game because Cincinnati got the ball uh, to start the second half, went down, and scored, boom, just like that in, inside two minutes. And you knew it was a ball game. I actually thought the Jags responded nicely on offense to get it to 21-14 and, and give themselves a chance, but uh, the defense couldn't stop anything. We'll talk all about that. But when I saw them go to shotgun, I'm telling you, before the play, there was a little time, right, because they had the measurement. Um, they did, was it a fumble? I think it was a review or something. And we're just, you know, we're sitting actually right in front of Trent Baalke. I think Falky at one time was like, hey, you guys are a bunch of coaches down here, you know. Yeah. Um, and it's like, hey, I, I, you got a 6'6 six, six guy, and you're at the half-inch line. And, I mean, quarterback sneak, and I think one, of, maybe it was Duraco or something sitting next to me, he said bootleg. Um, one of those plays, but as soon as you it, whatever it is, as soon as you saw him line up in the shotgun like I put my hands over my face you know, I'm like, what are we doing? You're at the half inch line, you just backed up to the five, like why did they do that? That doesn't make any sense, like why go backwards before you gotta go forwards for a half an inch uh, just, I, See, here's what,
1: here's what I don't understand though is that we're, we're harping on the coaching staff and I'll, and I'll be the first one to do that in terms of play calling, I get that But the play was there to make. Yeah. Trevor has to pitch the ball. Like, why is Trevor Lawrence not getting any kind of scrutiny for that play? Yeah, I guess because what you
0: said, if it was a walk-in, he pitches it, and he's in, I still thought there was a guy out there that he'd have to beat. So, I'm not convinced 100 percent he would have walked in you're a little bit more uh convinced that he would have would have scored and should have pitched it in um so yeah sure trevor kind of like the pick six you know trevor has blame in the pick six it's like how did we get to the part where trevor gets blamed i think is certainly a question as well and listen this is a guy right here and, by the way, Brent Martino, Austin Lane, starting a Friday hot here, coming off a of Jags uh, loss, number 19 in a row, 0-4. We're at Extreme Wing Sports Grill, Roosevelt Boulevard. Come on out, say hello. Uh, we'll be here until 6 o'clock. Then we got a big night of Friday night, high school football. But I've been a big advocate the last couple of weeks for Bevel too. Like I think Darrell Bevel has done a really good job these last two games. I think he's in a rhythm with his offense, with his quarterback. Uh, I think he's doing a terrific job. In fact, this is about the only call I can go back on and say, hmm, I don't know if I would have done that. And of course, when it doesn't work, you do that. Same thing with the the, the pick six, uh, the pick six and the flea flicker last week. It's like, well, it would have been a touchdown if it worked. Like if it was executed, it would have worked. This play, what you're saying, Austin. If it was executed, it would have worked. So there's certainly some fairness to that. you just sometimes got to be careful as an offensive coordinator. I think this is hard. Like, I genuinely think it's hard to not outsmart yourself. And I think in last week's pick six and this one here uh, yesterday, I kind of feel like he outsmarted himself. He got a little too cute on critical plays, and, well, it comes back and bites him.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, I think there. to me there's a difference between the flea flicker from, you know, your your own side of the field and just uh, essentially a read option that you've ran the entire game. You know, the, the, the flea flicker, a lot of things has to happen correctly, obviously, right? I mean, first of all, the defense has to bite on it. Second of all, you have to block it correctly. Third of all, obviously the cornerbacks, you know, you you anticipate that they have to bite on it as well. So there's a lot of things that go into making a flea flicker work, and obviously timing is one of those things as well. With that play last night, literally all it is is, well, either you keep the ball, you read the defense, or you pitch the ball. Like, I understand like you don't give Trevor Lawrence too much, but was that too much on that fourth down?
0: No, no. Yeah, I mean, listen, uh, like you're saying, I mean, he's got to make the read, and and then do that. He obviously thought he could beat beat the one player. He had beaten players, uh, you know, in those situations during that game. You know, that play had worked with him running the football for a couple of yards. All he needed was an inch. So I guess I, I can get to his mentality, but it didn't work out. So he too made the wrong read on it. And and by the way, this is a game where Trevor Lawrence made a lot of the right decisions. Like yeah. not many wrong decisions in this game. And so he should have done it. Uh, overall, I mean. Here's where we're at in Jacksonville with the Jags and really all across the country when you think about the Jags. That play goes awry. They're still up 14-0 going into the break, and everybody thinks they're going to lose. You know, this group of people have to get over that. You know, not the fans. This this group, this coaching staff, Urban Meyer, Trevor Lawrence, whatever else, they have to get that fixed because you can't be up 14 nothing in the NFL with two quarters of play to go and dominating the game, and everybody in town thinks you're going to lose because that play failed. Mm-hmm. Like, it's unbelievable. I mean, they're up 14 nothing still, you know. Yeah. And, and, by the way, everybody was right. They found a way to lose. <laughs> so they have got to figure that out uh, because – that's the kind of feeling we have in town, right, on a Friday, four weeks into the season, and, and that's inescapable right now because it's just happened. 19 in a row uh, has happened, and, and I feel that, and I, I tried to guard against that. Like, I am not that guy. Like, okay, whatever, just go keep scoring. And, and even when it got kind of tight, it got 14-14, they go down and have a huge drive. So I was like, okay, that's a, that's a heck of an answer. They're just going to find a way to win this game. Not the Jags, man not the Jags they are the Lions of last week you know they find a way to lose the game and and even if it's a bad call like think about the play clock going down for the Lions think about fourth and 19 for the Lions think about Justin Tucker 66 yards off the crossbar for the Lions mm. right now the Jags are the Lions the Lions are the Jags they can't find a way to win because they're bad and until somebody makes a play that's a winning play and they made some plays yesterday Uh, None in the second half on defense. But until somebody does that, that tide cannot be turned. And uh, this fourth and inches play is another example of it. They could have put the game away, essentially, if they get in.
1: Absolutely. You know, and and when you analyze this game of what transpired, obviously the first half, you know, you don't convert the fourth down. Um, Like I said, I mean, I think James Robinson has the edge all day. I believe it was Hollister out there that set the edge. So unless a corner or a safety wanted to make the play of his life, there is no way they're going to stop James Robinson p- going forward. So, you know, to me, that falls on Trevor. But when we talk about going to the half and you're up by 14, well, then this is where halftime adjustments come in. And it's, it's always the conversation that we have on this show. You know, it's almost like what came first, the chicken or the egg? Well, who do we blame more? Do we blame the players or do we blame the coaches? The players played fantastic the first half, right? It was a, it was a great showing. Halftime comes up, halftime adjustments are made, and then it's a completely different product the second half. So do I want to sit here and say, well, the players got to play better? Well, obviously, yeah, because we saw it. We saw confusion when when the Cincinnati Bengals wanted to go five wide and then everybody in the backfield, and you didn't know, like, who was taking who. You saw the confusion with Miles Jack. You saw the confusion with Shaq Griffin. You saw all that. But at the same time, this has to come down to coaching too to make sure to say, hey, if they go five wide, here's what we got to do. If they do crossing patterns, we got to switch off or we stay on our guy and man because we've seen this story before. Like this is what you saw last night in Cincinnati in terms of the halftime adjustments. They don't really do anything that we haven't seen before. The team hasn't seen before this year. Crossing patterns out of five wide. You should know how to stop that. And last night, the Jacksonville Jaguars had zero answer for it.
0: Yeah, their defense yesterday in the second half, I mean, I, 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 they pitched a shutout, man, in the first half. This defense is not that good. Like, we, we have said that. Like, we know that. Uh, so to see a team run up and down the field on them, I'm not super surprised. To see quarterbacks throw them for 300, I'm not super surprised. Uh, if, uh, if they ran for 180 yards, I'd be more surprised. They're really just trying to stop the run and then almost hope for the best at times, it feels like. Or just somebody make a play in a critical spot, which we thought we got from Gatsas on the sack, and then there was a holding penalty, right? So, um, but overall, I mean, that half, they had four possessions. It was 10 plays, 12 plays, 10 plays, 10 plays. I won't give you the yardage and, and the time of possession, but you get the idea. It was touchdown, 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 walk-off, field goal. Would have been a touchdown if they needed a touchdown, right? Everybody knows that. And, and they could not stop them. Like, they seriously made no plays in the second half. And I don't know how that is. Like, I'm surprised Joe Burrow didn't just, like, make a bad play. <laughs> he, mm. he didn't make a bad play. He was 17-20, to 20, I think, in the second half. I mean, it was just everything had to go right for the Bengals, and it did. Everything had to go wrong for the Jags, and it did. So I think it's a fair question. Like, I would assume the answer to this is both, but I'm not going to let anybody off the hook on that. That they just, are these players not getting it done? Josh Allen, Miles Jack, Shaq Griffin, uh, Tyson Campbell got picked on again. Trey Herndon, I really thought, got picked on, and you were right about Boyd. We'll get into that. Um, Or is it the coaching and not doing the right adjustments? Or how about second and 14 calling a blitz where they really hadn't called much on the blitzing all day? I'm not sure they did much of that because if you look at Burrow's numbers, I think he's very good against the blitz so far this year. They call it on second and 14, and then that's the play that goes for 25 because Burrow checked out of it. Uh, You know, that's bad play call at the wrong time by Joe Cullen. um I would say somewhere in there. I don't think the players are great for the Jags on the pass defense side, Austin. So I think it does fall back on coaching. They needed to come up with something in the last two possessions for Cincinnati to slow them down, and they flat out couldn't do it.
1: So, you know, if we go back to yesterday and we talked about the Bengals' identity, they want to run Joe Mixon. They have a pretty good running game. And as you break this Jaguars' defense down, it's all about stopping the run. So, like, I thought, like, in terms of what the game plan was going to be for the Bengals was going to be a little maybe uncharacteristic, but they are going to throw nonstop with Burrow. Now, they started out doing that. They started to go back to the running game in the second half, and much to my surprise, they had some success, so then it was all working for them. But the biggest thing that I saw, and it it really comes down to two things, and I've already mentioned it a little bit here. It comes down to when you line up, when, when I say five wide, it means there's nobody in the backfield. It's literally a shotgun. It's empty. And you let your receivers, your tight ends, whatever you got, do work. Those five guys to the Cincinnati Bengals last night were better than the five guys that the Jaguars have right now. And like that, it doesn't take any kind of expert to realize that. But what the frustrating part is, is that when you have an empty backfield and you have three guys on one side, two guys on the other side, there was confusion. There was confusion from the linebackers. There was confusion from the safeties. There's confusion from the cornerbacks of what exactly do we do here? What kind of coverage do we have? If we're a man, do I pass off the crossing pattern or do I stay on him? And that was what you saw all night. Now, yeah, the two, obviously, they're playing a little too shallow. I mean, or I'm sorry, a little too deep on these receivers too, maybe giving them a little too much respect. And sometimes that happens. But what was really alarming to me and the biggest thing that I took away from this defense, and yes, the pass rush can do better, right? But let's be honest, Burrow was getting the ball up pretty fast. Didn't have a lot of time to work back there. So when that happens, you got to move up a little bit if you're a cornerback. And you got to figure out what you're going to do in terms of communication. And when they went empty backfield last night, you just didn't see that from this Jaguars defense.
0: Well, listen, and you're right. But the other part of that is uh, I saw a stat, Austin. I think he had 2.73 seconds on average to throw. Burrow did. So they're not getting home. You know, Gatsas got home one time. Smoot and Gatsas got home um, another time. But very little pressure on Burrow. He sat back there. He still can create with the, the legs, even though he's coming off the knee injury. And he did that, especially on the the, the tight end touchdown throw. That was, a, that was a good play by Burrow, really. I mean, you're asking guys to cover for a long time. They actually flushed him. They got a little pressure. And then he found the opening, and And that almost was deflected by Miles Jack. i going to ask you about Miles Jack and Josh Allen a little bit later. But I think you're right i mean those five guys and and boyd against herndon and campbell's getting beat up uh, again i'm seeing stats on twitter i don't know how accurate they are but people are sharing them 10 of 11 against tyson campbell last night Burrow was i mean the, the, the rookies having some trouble you know i mean that's that's not a good stat he can't make a play uh shack griffin about the only one that made a play downfield that was questionable might have been interference once they slow moed the video it was really close but so not only can are they getting beat up with the five wide, but they really can't get anybody uh, to 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 get to uh, Joe Burrow last night, and he's got all day to sit there. So I know it's complimentary, but which one's the bigger problem right now? <laughs> the fact that you just don't have the, the horses out in the secondary to, to defend these teams and these guys, or you just can't get somebody to
1: come up with a big
0: pass rush when you need it.
1: I mean, to me, and – it falls into both categories here, but to me, I'm more concerned right now with the back end of things. Because, like I said, I mean, you, you, you threw the number at me, but like, if you want to take the average of the, you know, every single drop back, well, all it takes is one long scramble, and that average goes up. Like, what, what I was watching was Burrow was getting the ball up pretty quickly, especially in the slot to Tyler Boyd. So it makes it very hard for a pass rusher to work a move to get in the backfield when the ball is coming out quickly. So if that's the case, that's where the secondary has to be on the same page in terms of what kind of coverage they're going to run and who's taking who. And if that's the case and a guy can't handle them, well, then maybe make an adjustment there, right? So I would say to me it falls more on the secondary just from the footage that I've watched in terms of how fast the ball was coming out of Burrow's hand.
0: Uh, do you think Herndon just couldn't keep up with Boyd? You mentioned that yesterday. You said you think they're going to come out throwing. You're right. Uh, then Boyd against Herndon could be a bit of a – do they have anybody to cover and keep his speed? You think he's really underrated. He proved it last night. You know, Chase got his, but it wasn't like he went off for 180 yards. But Boyd had, what, like 118 or something. So um, did they – did you look at that as rust for Herndon? Um, I looked at it like he was getting picked on. Uh, what did you see?
1: I mean, I just saw a team that wanted to give Tyler Boyd the ball. I think, obviously, Herndon had trouble keeping up with Boyd. Um, you know, and I've said it before, Boyd's a very underrated slot receiver in this league. So, like, I'm not surprised that he had a good game. Um, I guess I am surprised that he had, like, these long 30-yard, 40-yard catches. I figured it would be kind of been, like, 10 yards here, 10 yards there, 8 yards here. Um, I didn't foresee him having the long ball a couple times. But... You know, is that Trey Herndon's game, the slot? I don't know. You know, if I'm being honest here, I was always kind of hesitant of it. Like, what I thought the plan was going to be was they're going to have C.J. Henderson, they're going to have Shaq Griffin on the outside, and then Tyson Campbell in the slot. Because that's kind of what we heard in training camp a little bit. Obviously, that didn't come to fruition. C.J. Henderson's gone. Tyson Campbell's the two-corner now. And now you have Trey Herndon playing in the slot. Would it get easy for Trey Hernan if it was somebody else unlike Tyler Boyd? Absolutely. But sometimes you play against great players. And you saw last night a great player who can run routes who they target on, you know, you essentially just got beat. And, and you got beat nonstop, and the, the Jaguars didn't have an answer for it, and I'm not sure what the alternative would have been. Like, I'm not sure if you take Hernan out and who you put in for him. So that's just another example right now of when there's five guys out there, you know, in an empty, or there's four guys out there, those four guys were better than the, the jaguars four or five guys last night
0: yeah and uh and, and that is part of it uh people you don't want to admit that or go back to it you have you know there, there's not a huge talent gap but sometimes there is a gap in how many you have and right now this is a one in 15 roster that we can question some of the moves they've made uh some of the free agents how impactful are they some of the draft picks how impactful are they well the jaguars don't have enough guys i mean that's clear as day that's why Many of us predicted the Jags to win maybe six games this year, you know. Uh, nobody predicted them to go to the playoffs. They just don't have enough guys. And sometimes that shows up in some of the formations that showed up and uh, just one-on-one matchups. The Jaguars uh, lost a lot of those last night. All right, we got a lot more to break down uh, in this game. Gish set for the NFL weekend as well. How did Trevor play? Is there any solace in the fact that this team looks like they're getting incrementally better without winning a football game. I can't wait till Austin deals with that one. And uh Josh Allen, here here's my question about the defense. Where's Josh Allen? Because I thought this defense was going to cater to him to make plays and have a monster year, and I'm not seeing much. Is he dropping back too much? That's something fans think. Let's go ahead and Austin stop with that no disagree. Stop.
1: We're not even no
0: and Austin has some some good stats on this, so I like it. And uh, also, I think Miles Jack. Is Miles Jack back to be an un- uncomfortable Miles Jack? Are they putting too much on his plate? Is he playing well? Uh, some of the numbers don't add up with him in coverage yesterday. Uh, although he still continues to make some plays. But I think this looks like a disorganized defense at times. Is that Miles? Is it Cullen? Is it guys just not knowing their assignments? A lot of questions about the defense, but specifically around Miles Jack and Josh Allen, if they're going to make any improvements. And then, of course, Trevor Lawrence. He played his best game as a Jacksonville Jaguar last night. What's next for Trevor? We are live at Extreme Wing Sports Grill, Roosevelt Boulevard. Dear NAS Jacks, come on out. Say hello until 6 o'clock. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 6.9. Yeah,
2: I played well in the first half, obviously, uh, but the... You know, they combination of run. They, they were running the ball pretty good on in the third quarter, and then uh, we tightened up against the run. And then, you know, they had matchup advantages they felt in the man coverage and then zone coverage, is picking us apart, and then caught us in a zero blitz. So it was obviously the same thing that you saw that uh, they ran the ball. You know, we're up 14-0, and then they go right down the field, uh, hit a deep ball on uh, Tyson, and but they were running the ball, and then they came back and just picked us apart throwing the ball.
0: A gut-wrenching loss for Urban Meyer. I mean, everybody talks about Meyer and the losses and all everybody's reaction on the sideline. By the way, every time he uh, puts his head down on the sideline, very good advertisement for Bose.
1: Oh, nice. Did you notice that? I didn't. <laughs> yeah. No, I can't say maybe I did. Ju-
0: maybe it's not really his pose. Maybe it's more that he is in an endorsement with Bose. I like it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Maybe that's it. Yeah. So, uh, But everybody's so caught up in Urban. It's like they're waiting for him to fall over on the sideline, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's um, – uh, here's the deal. He was not happy after the game. I was in that room at the press conference. I mean, he was like – what you couldn't see if you watched the post game is he was, like, clenching the podium. And, I mean, he was just – that was beside himself at that loss. He really was. Like, that one no doubt hit him the hardest. And maybe the first week. First week kind of caught him off guard, too. Mm-hmm. But – uh, this one was tough, like you could tell. And, and by the way, it should be right. I mean, it should be hard. Like that's th- the, the thing about it is this. Is what I, I laugh a little about is everybody sits there, waits, and jabs at Meyer for looking like that, or questions body language or whatever. Yet, for around I've been here fourteen years, they they've lost every year except for one. And about every year, everybody's like, "Man, I wish they would show some emotion about losing instead of let's just get uh, on to the next one." Yeah, you know? <laughs> I mean, which way do you want it, right? I mean, at least the at least he's gutted after a loss, right? I mean, I think the emotion kind of is a, is is a relief, is a little bit of a sigh. Like it just goes to show me. I don't think it's in his DNA. I think they're going to get it fixed. I just ask: Is there any solace at all in him? getting a little bit better here every week, like noticeably better. Everybody that watches these four games knows the Jags have gotten better every week, but they're still getting a loss. And that's not the question of a moral victory. Listen, the Florida Gators got a moral victory over Alabama. No Gator fan will admit it, yet they're extremely happy that day after the loss against uh, Alabama because of how well they played. That's fact. Like, (laughs) they don't want to admit it, but I'm not asking you to think of a moral victory. The the bottom line is this was a 1-15 in team. Now that has a franchise quarterback, do we see signs of it turning around because of the improvement every week? And what I would say, that's a sign of pretty good coaching that you're getting better every week, Austin.
1: See, this is the fundamental difference between you and I. (laughs) No, seriously. So you say, you know, the moral victory thing because you see what this team could beat. I see what this team has not accomplished so far this season. And then that's the fundamental difference. I saw a team last night that went to halftime up 14 and you blew it. And it wasn't just the fact that you blew it, but it was in the fashion that you did where Cincinnati literally had your number everywhere. It was a completely different team. That's where my frustration stems from because we've seen good. We've seen, but we haven't seen good for four quarters. Yeah. If you want to take this as a moral victory, so be it. If you want to take Arizona as a moral victory, so be it. But, like, we come in here every Monday, or for for this sake, it's it's Friday, and we say, ah, they're getting better, they're getting better. Okay, so then with that philosophy, say they get better again next week. What does that mean they're going to win the game? Because how, how much better could you be before you start winning
0: games? Well, I mean, the bottom line is, if you really look at their incremental getting better... Uh, They they weren't in the game at all in the first game. They were in the game at halftime the second game against Denver. They really should have been leading. They were in the game through three quarters against Arizona, had a nine-point lead. And in this one, it was tied with 21-21 with five minutes to go, and the Jags had the ball. So... Yeah, I mean, the next time out, if they keep getting better, maybe they beat the Titans. But, like, is this,
1: is this surprise? I mean, but this is the NFL. Like, you, th- there's going to be games where they're going to be close. This is the NFL. There's going to be games where you're up by 10, maybe 14 points, and you've got to hold that lead. Well, you're right, but you, there's a 1-15 team that stinks, though. That's the that's reality right. of it. This, is, this Cele- isn't like, okay,
0: hey, no, this isn't celebrating like, hey, the Jags were up 14-0, they almost won. This is a reality that the Jags stink. Like, they stink. Yes. Like, we know that. So the reality is, at least they might be showing signs of turning a corner in some positions. But here's the the, the the bad part of all this that I was thinking today is, I'm not sure they could play much better of a first half than they played. They were still up only 14 nothing and lost. Like, I really don't know if they can play much better than that. I, hmm. th- th- I thought they executed almost... Well, not perfectly, because they gave up plays on defense. But still, they had a zero on the scoreboard. They got lucky with the missed kick. And then I thought they executed very well on offense to the point where they should have had three touchdowns or came that close to three touchdowns in the first half. Yet you walk out of there and you still lose the football game. So this isn't like, hey, this is what they could be. No, this is like, this is who they are. Like, it's to me, it's the reality of who they are. And at least you're showing some kinds of coaching better getting better doing some players getting better like trevor um i i think there's something that i'm I'm not taking solace in it i think this loss sucks i mean this is unbelievable that they continue to lose these football games (laughs) that's it's it's mind-boggling it's exhausting quite frankly uh but i mean it is what it is they're a terrible football team that's how they got trevor lawrence and are we seeing some signs that by the time the second half of the year rolls around, they're going to win these football games? I mean, I think that's what you look for if you're a fan. I'd be trying to look for something like that.
1: All right. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, I, I'm, I just, I don't take solace in moral victories. I, I really don't. I, I get they're getting better and they're getting better, and that's great, you know. And if fans want to get on board with that, that's cool too. I mean, if you, if you cheer for a team to tank last year, maybe the next step is to take. Well, honestly. <laughs> I mean, if you cheer for a team to tank last year, maybe the next step is to take these moral victories and feel good about your day. I just see a team that gave up a 14-point lead. Uh, They blew it, and in the fashion that they blew it, I think there's still a lot of things that have to be worked out on.
0: Well, there's no doubt. And by the way, you keep throwing the word moral victory, phrase moral victory. I I tried to squash that right from the get-go. Like, I don't think there is a such thing as a moral victory. Uh, I think, like I said, my example to you with the Gators was, if you go back to the week prior and the Gators won the football game, Go ask Gator fan how they felt after they won that game. Like, okay, cool. I still don't know who I am. So, Are ah, we any good? I'm not sure. Go to the next week, and they lose to Alabama, and ask them on a Monday. They're like, hey, we might be pretty good. Like, that was the feeling. That's a moral victory. That's like, hey, we might be better than we think. See, that's not what I'm talking about with the Jags. This isn't a moral victory. I think everybody's ticked off. Everybody's all that stuff. I mean, you just got to look in between the weeds and, and what I say, the mud somewhere and try to find something. And I, I think everybody that everybody's like, I, I can't believe they lost. that. I can't believe they blew that. And then they're like, at least Trevor looked good. At least they're starting to get a little bit better, it looks like. And I think it would be a major red flag, man, if, if they look like they did against Houston for three out of the four weeks. Because then I'd go to the coaching and be like, oh, my gosh, what is this? If Trevor throws three more interceptions every week, then I'd be like, oh, my gosh, he we, he might not make it, right? No, for sure. Um, but so I just to- think it's a different outlook.
1: But can't you go to the coaching and say, oh, my
0: gosh, what was that second half? I think you can, and we did in the first segment. I, I, think, I believe it. I, I think it was on coaching. I think they've got to make an adjustment. And here's why the coaches have to step up, in my opinion, Austin, because they have a one – like, I've told you this for the last couple of weeks. This is on Daryl Bevel. Bevel needs to get Trevor Lawrence comfortable. That's his number one job. He has to get him comfortable. That means gives it to James Robinson. That means get this kid better, put him in good situations. Well, I thought he did that. I didn't think he did it the first couple weeks. I thought he did that the last two games. And when you're not that talented, then it's up to the coaching to make you as good as you can be. I think Urban Meyer came into this thing and said that. I don't believe in bad players, right? He believes in good coaching. Well, I think he looked at his coaching staff on defense yesterday and said that wasn't good coaching because they don't have great players. That means they've got to coach better than their players, and they didn't do it. I mean, somewhere in there, Joe Cullen, everybody else on that defensive side has to make an adjustment, has to put him in a position to uh, maybe trick Joe Burrow or or make a play, and there wasn't one. Like, very, Jags have been bad for a while. Very few times have I seen – it's probably happened, right? But this is recent memory. Very few times can I remember a half where Austin – I don't think they made one play. Mm-hmm. Like, they seriously did not make one play on that side of the football. I can't remember a play outside of Gatsas, but then that was negated – by the by, the holding on the secondary, I don't remember a nice tackle, a breakup, a a, a r- pass rush, and anything in that second half that I would say, hey, that was a nice play in the second half by the defense. I mean, that's hard to do, isn't it?
1: No, it absolutely is. I mean, those plays are all over the field for you to make, and that was not the case for this team in the second half last night. Simple as that.
0: Yeah, uh, let me let me ask you about this uh, a little later on. We'll talk about Trevor and, and kind of his development more. Um, uh, because I do think that was his best game. I think everybody would agree. I, where's Josh Allen? Where's Miles Jack? Uh, Miles, I think, has showed up a couple times. But I guess I want to go. Josh Allen, you, you address it now, the, the dropping back. And, and I'm with you here, man. I know what you're about to say, but let me just say my two cents. We all pleaded and begged around here for a different looking defense. <laughs> and now we've got the defense. Nobody likes the fact that Josh Allen isn't rushing the passer on every down. But mm-hmm. take it away. What's the reality well, of what me, Josh Allen's doing?
1: Let me ask you this. Do you think Josh Allen's dropping back in coverage too much? I, I For, don't. From, Twitter from. does. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, I but, don't. I don't. But Twitter, but a lot of people do is what but I'm a lot trying of to get.
0: Well, and I'll also say this. I do see – this is two or three times now this year I've seen Josh Allen. I know understand this is somewhat rotational. And by the way, I just watched Josh Allen almost uh, deflect and, and uh, pick off that ball. Would have been a heck of a play by Josh Allen. Sure. Um, <laughs> that's the play they're at late in the first quarter on the replay uh, here at Extreme Wing Sports Grill, Roosevelt Boulevard. Come on out. Um, I, I've i seen him go off the field, Austin, like in the red zone for the opposing team when it feels like it's a big play. Is that just a rotational thing? Mm-hmm. And then you can address the dropbacks. backs.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely just a rotational thing. It's getting fresh guys in there because sometimes guys get winded. And if you're tired, you do more harm than good of being out there. So that's all that is. It's, it's rotational. Ideally, what you want is you want to rotate your, your, your four. You want to rotate your, whether it's defensive tackles, your edge rushers, you want to rotate those guys in and out. Sometimes you can't do that if it's like a, a no huddle or things like that. But usually eight or nine plays, if you're into a series, you want to get some rotation in. Okay,
0: so take it away on the drop. Uh, How much – you had a tweet, and I forget exactly what it said. How much is he dropping back? Why is is he dropping back?
1: So this is what – this is why I don't live tweet football games. This is why I don't really go on Twitter when a football game is on because this is what happens on Twitter and I'm not even sure who patient zero is. We'll call this person patient zero, but somebody goes, hey, they're dropping Josh Allen back too much. He's got a lot of followers, and all of a sudden, everybody latches onto that, and now their narrative is, oh, yeah, you know what? Josh Allen is dropping back too much. Josh Allen is not dropping back too much. I broke it down. I I watched every single play on defense. Josh Allen dropped back seven times. Josh Allen rushed the passer 21 times. Now, I'm horrible at math, but that's 25% where he actually dropped back. Now, maybe, and then I have people in my mentions saying, "Whoa, seven times is still way too much for Josh Allen <laughs> to drop back. He's your pe- best pass rusher. Oh, really? Well, then check out these facts real quick, because let's get real in-depth with it, because I, n- I like nothing more than spending my entire day trying to defend an argument that I shouldn't even be having to make, because I want to watch Squid Game, but I only got one episode <laughs> in, but that's okay. That's okay. We'll get into that later. Brent, you heard a guy named T.J. Watt? I've heard of T.J. Watt. You know how many times T.J. Watt dropped into coverage last year? Uh, I think you're going to tell
0: me about 27% of the time.
1: 154 times. So if you take 154 and you divide that by whatever you want to do, that's almost 10 times per game he's dropping back into coverage. Mm. Josh Allen dropped back into coverage seven times and we're freaking out. Why?
0: You want I like when to- You're bringing the evidence. That's good, man. You're bringing the evidence. I like it. Well, T.J. Watt might I be shouldn't. the best player in the game.
1: No, and, and with all due respect to Josh Allen, but even Josh Allen would admit this. T.J. Watt is by far a better pass rusher right now, where they're in their careers, than Josh Allen. Fair?
0: Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah.
1: yeah. So that's what the Steelers think about T.J. Watt. He's and this is last season, by the way. He's dropping back in almost ten times per game. I don't hear Steelers fans complaining about it. I don't hear Steelers fans saying, well, well, he only had like 20 sacks last year. He probably should have had more if they would have. Because <laughs> ru- that's not the point. All right? This is the scheme. This is the defense. This is what you signed up for. This is a 3-4 defense. Like, I don't know what you want Josh Allen to do here. It's, it's literally impossible to expect him to rush every single time and not dropping back into coverage if you're in this 3-4 defense. A classic example, and this is the video that, that I saw a lot last night getting passed around. There's a play where Josh Allen drops back, they hit the guy behind him, and everyone's asking, why, why is Josh Allen drop back into coverage? Well, Josh Allen is on the side of three wide receivers. So that's called the strong side, right? And on the other side of him, there's two wide receivers. So what do you want Josh Allen to do in that situation when they call a blitz? Do you want Josh Allen to audible out of it and say, hey, guys, I got three wide receivers to my side. Um, I'm not supposed to be dropped back into coverage, so let's just throw this whole thing off. Do you want Josh Allen to call a timeout? Or do you want Josh Allen to go to Caleb on chase on and say, hey, Caleb on, I know the the guy's about to snap the ball, but go ahead and take my spot. I'll run over to your spot, and I'm sure we won't get caught with our pants down. Not how it works. This is a 3-4 defense. Josh Allen's going to drop back into coverage. It's not a lot of times. Look at the film. That's all i got to say about it.
0: Yeah, that's fair enough. Uh, and it's a good explanation, by the way. I think we need those reminders sometimes. Uh, I think, uh, heck, some of us in the media, I think fans, I think they, they think they you got to, like, again, it's the bevel conversation to me. Like, everybody's going to hammer bevel for last week's pick six and this call on the goal line. He's been terrific in the last two weeks, quite frankly. Like, I think he's been awesome. And, and finding a rhythm with these. Uh, maybe awesome's a little overrated. But I think he's been very good to get Trevor where he needs to be so much better than the first couple weeks. Why did it take that long? I have no idea. But uh, but I think that's a good explanation on Josh Allen. Now, I will ask you this real quick. Yeah. Is Josh Allen not getting enough done? Well, because no, I mean. he's supposed sh- to be a top ten pick now, and yes. where is
1: he? So, yeah, it, absolutely. I mean, if you, if you watch him, the stats say it, his pass rushes say it, he's not getting enough done. At the same time, is anybody on this defense right now getting it done, in the defensive line, in terms of rushing the passer? Not really.
0: No. Uh, and I want to stay there for a moment because I'm going to turn it into Miles Jack. And these are supposed to be your playmakers. I thought they were going to set up this defense for these guys. Why isn't that happening? Is it on them? Is it not as many plays for them as, as we thought it might be going into the year? Let's talk a little more about the Jags defense. We're live at Extreme Wing Sports Grill. Brent Martineau, Austin Lane, Casey Kurtz, Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690 here until 6 o'clock heading into the weekend after another Jags loss.
2: I felt like our defense was, you know, they kept, our defense was playing so well. And then our offense, we felt like we were blocking them. James was running the ball. Our offense line was pushing, you know, controlling the line of scrimmage. That's thats a good sign. You know, that's the, usually when those games, you take care of the ball and try your quarterbacks, you know, getting those first downs. And yeah, I felt really good.
1: Jags coach Urban Meyer. Man, sorry for going off the wall a little bit there, Casey. I didn't want you to see that type of me, but... I just get fired up sometimes because that's, that's how it is. Like, you know, one person says something, it snowballs, and now Josh Allen is dropping back into coverage too much. It's not the case, okay? So this is a 3-4 defense. This is what you signed up for. Enjoy the show. You have a ticket, get on the ride, and enjoy the experience, all right? Josh Allen, I would say, is still dropping back into coverage. But people aren't wrong when they say, well, they're not getting a pass rush, especially when he's dropped back into coverage, in which case you would be right. And this is the fundamental difference between T.J. Watt dropping back into coverage right now and Josh Allen dropping back into coverage. When T.J. Watt's dropping back into coverage, you have linebackers, you have defensive linemen in the middle and edge rushers alike that get after the quarterback. Right? Like, that's the beauty of a 3-4 defense. It's the confusion part. This Bengals offensive line last night, I'm sure there were some points where they were confused because they didn't know where the blitz is coming from. They didn't know who was dropping. Was it Chase on? Was it Josh Allen? There was some confusion out there. But the problem is that you don't make a team pay for it because nobody last night was getting after the quarterback. Now, I've mentioned it a little bit. Burrow got the ball fast on some plays, and there you go. But there were some plays where the plays got extended where you got to make a play, where you got to get the quarterback down. And you're just not seeing that right now from this Jaguars defense. And it makes the difference, whether it's on the outside or in the middle. I, I've echoed this so many times. When the team let Clayus Campbell go, that's when they let, you know, Josh Allen's productivity go because it, it all goes hand in hand. If you have the pass rush up the middle, that makes things on the edge a lot easier. If you got to double team, somebody on the edge, well, it makes things in the middle easier. And right now with this team, with this front four, there's just there's not a lot of respect going on through this offensive lines when they play the Jaguars.
0: Uh, Austin Lane, uh, let me ask you this about Miles Jack as well, and I don't know if you touched on him. i would do something real quick uh, TV-wise. But um, is he making enough plays? Is he putting in a good spot? I tell you, man, sometimes I see this. If I was a team, I would substitute as much as possible against the Jaguars. They look so unorganized sometimes when they have to make these late substitutions and they can't get in the right spots. Now, I saw... Miles look a little lost on a on a player or two, and still made the play. <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. so lining up. So maybe I'm wrong, but uh, is is he playing good enough football? And are they putting him and Josh in a good enough position to play dominant, you know, play making
1: football? Uh, um, I mean, it, it, listen, there's mistakes all around last night, especially in that second half. You know, and especially when we're talking about the tight end for the Bengals. I'm going to butcher his last name, Brent. Can you help me out? Yeah, Uzama. Uzama. Uh, yeah, CJ Uzama. Yeah.
0: He had five catches for 95 yards in the second half alone.
1: Yeah. Now, with with all due respect two to him, like, I mean, he's, you know, he's a decent tight end. I, I don't think he's two touchdowns good, right? I don't think he's almost 100 yards good. I don't think he's the, the highest, you know, waiver wire pickup this weekend fantasy football good. But here we are. But, yeah, I mean, some of this falls on Miles Jack. But I, I posted a video on Twitter, and, and the alarming thing is just guys don't know who to cover, Brent. When, when there's misdirection, and this is – when we broke down the Arizona Cardinals game, and I thought it was going to be a blowout, it was because I thought the Arizona Cardinals were going to use nothing but misdirection. And, th- and truth be told, they didn't really use a lot of it. They actually pounded the rock a lot more than I anticipated. But that's what Arizona does. They're a misdirection team. The Bengals did last night what Arizona should have did in terms of misdirection. If you look at the the balls that went to uh, C.J. you know Uzuma, it was all about misdirection. It was all about going one way and then getting the tight end going the other way. It was all about the Jaguars biting on that one way and nobody having the backside of things. Now, whether that's Miles Jack, whether that's a safety, I, I'm not sure what the coverage was called there. I mean, I'm reminded of one play where Jack kind of throws his hands up a little bit. That's kind of a giant tell that that was probably your guy. So, yeah, he he didn't play his best game last night. But this just, it falls on a lot more than just Miles Jack or Josh Allen. It falls on everybody in terms of you got to have your eye discipline, you got to stay at home, and you got to communicate. And in that second half, you saw nothing of that sort.
0: Nah, feels like the old do-your-job mantra, doesn't it? Yeah. Just do your job. And, and again, the Jags have to be a little war- careful of that. When things start going awry and you're not winning games to try to do too much, but nobody's doing anything on that side of the ball in the second half. And I just don't think they're getting enough out of Josh Allen and Miles Jack if anything else, those guys have to make plays for this defense. They're good. We know they're talented players. They have to make plays for the Jaguars' defense. Hopefully that happens starting next week against Tennessee. We'll have an extreme wing sports grill. Brett Martineau, Austin Lane, Casey Kurtz, two more hours to go. We talk Trevor when we come back. It was his best game as a pro. What does it mean going forward? It's next on ESPN 690.